Welcome, teacher friend. I'm Lori. And I'm Melissa. We are two literacy educators in Baltimore. We want the best for all kids, and we know you do too. Our district recently adopted a new literacy curriculum, which meant a lot of change for everyone. Lori and I can't wait to keep learning about literacy with you today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Literacy Podcast. Melissa and Lori love literacy. We are really excited for our guests today because we have two very busy teachers who took time out of their very busy schedules to talk with us. And I just can't wait. We're going to talk about some incredible content with uh, them teaching wit and wisdom, using geodes, science of reading stuff. So I'm excited. (laughs) You know, teachers are our favorites to talk Mm -hmm. to because they're doing the real work. But I know like we've talked a lot about having, you know, in especially in K2, having wit and wisdom, having foundations, having geodes, it can it can be a lot. And we know that Mm -hmm. um, our teachers today, Danielle and April, have a lot to um, tell about how to do that in a way that really helps to make sense for kids. So so we'll get into those conversations with them. Absolutely. So Danielle and April, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank Thank you for having us. Thank you. We're excited to be here. Yeah. So would you, I'll, I'll ask Danielle to go first because you're closer to me on the screen. (laughs) (laughs) Would you mind just giving a little introduction and sharing, you know, what grade you teach and, and where you're teaching and anything else that you feel like is important for listeners to know? Okay, absolutely. Well, again, thank you so much for having us. Um, I'm so excited. Um, even last night, you know, I'm just trying to go to sleep and you get those <laughs> nerves, you know, just thinking about all the stories to tell and just the passion that lies within this work that, you know, we do for kids. So my name's Danielle Hunter. I'm a third grade teacher. Um, I teach literacy at Vista Peak Exploratory, which is in Aurora Public School District. And this is my 10th year here. So I've really been able to see the evolution of um, just how our community of learners has grown throughout this period of time. And um, I'm excited to just talk with you all and reflect on my practice and be able to share some of the things that are going well um, here at VPE. Awesome. And you're in Colorado. Not in We're in Colorado. Any, yep. Anyone who's listening, you know, uh, I'm Aurora, Colorado. So. <laughs> Aurora, yeah, Colorado. Yep. <laughs> Yay. Awesome. And April, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, my name's April Evans. I also teach at Vista Peak Exploratory in Aurora, Colorado. Uh, I'm a first grade teacher uh, here. And uh, this is my eighth year at Vista Peak, 15th year teaching. Uh, most of that has been first grade. Uh, that's the highest I've gone is first grade. Um, it's, you know, I can't seem to leave it. I love it so much. It just, I, I'm afraid that it's just not going to be as good somewhere else. So um, I've got to stick with first grade. Uh, And so, yeah, I'm excited to be here and share our journey with you. Yeah. Yeah. Just to add on too. So I've been teaching third grade here for nine years and I got to teach first grade one year. And so April (laughs) and I were colleagues and we experimented um, with a lot of different curriculum and lots of learning and passion. Um, We've gone through a lot um, over the years. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) That's amazing. It is. Um, 
I think we should start with you guys telling us about Wit and Wisdom and your Wit and Wisdom story and how you got to be where you are today teaching Wit and Wisdom. Um, Because I know it didn't just like happen yesterday. So tell us a little bit about about how how you got to be Wit and Wisdom teachers. Yeah, it was quite an evolution, right? You had, and then over to, I imagine in your uh, 10, 15 years of experience. (laughs) So I'm looking forward forward to hearing about a little before and then how you got to implement Wit and Wisdom and Geodes and the the foundation's trifecta. (laughs) Yeah. So I'll start and then April, if you want to just add on, because I know um, just thinking about my first year here in the district, we really started with Mondo curriculum and I was coming I was coming from another district in Colorado um, so Mondo was a very new curriculum for me and I was coached around that and we were also using Fontas and Pinnell and um, it kind of you know evolved <laughs> slowly I had lots of questions about you know is this really best for kids? Um, and then we kind of adopted Lucy Calkins. And um, so this we've we've gone through a lot of different curriculum and a lot of um, different opportunities to kind of play around with different things. And just recently, so this is our fourth year going into wit and wisdom. And before April kind of jumps in to talk a little bit about um, where we're at, I had the opportunity to go with a group of teachers and our leader to, another school in Colorado, and we visited the school to really see wit and wisdom in action. And so we wanted to kind of just see, is this something that that um, might be a good fit for our kids? And so I just remember going into that school, and the, one of the first things that I noticed was just the close reading, um, walking into the classrooms and really seeing them just deeply engaged in text. And so for me, I was bought in pretty quickly. Um, and then I just know that we came back to our school and kind of brought it to our teachers and had lots of conversations about, you know, our DL team, our DLT, our distributive leadership team talked a little bit about EL and wit and wisdom. And we did a lot of work digging into the curriculum to see, um, what would be best for our kids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we were both bought in right away. I just remember noticing complex texts. And like you said, the close reading, that was the first thing that stuck out to me. Uh, Going back a little bit, though, my experience. So I experienced the same thing, Mondo and then Lucy Calkins. And I remember the year before leadership administration changed in our building, just thinking like something was missing, right? There's that group of students that with the curriculum we were using, they were able to learn and they were thriving, but there was a majority of students that were struggling and we just weren't making Mm -hmm. gains. And um, I remember going to my POC, so my point of contact, the vice principal at the time and saying, what's the chances of getting a new literacy curriculum? There's got to be other things out there that we can explore. And so with And so we just happened to get new administration. And with that came the new curriculum. I didn't get to go and see the uh, school, the teaching like Danielle did, but I do remember digging into the curriculum and just recognizing the um, high standards, the the work that students are doing, the complex texts that they're digging into. um, And yeah, 
Wit and Wisdom led to Geodes. Uh, Geodes <laughs> came, so we got Wit and Wisdom November of that year because uh, we had to, you know, find the curriculum that we wanted. We got it in November. That spring, Geodes was released for first grade. And when Geodes was released, my, I mean, it's like my mind exploded with all of this, <laughs> whoa, we had been using guided reading um, text. And maybe this is a whole other conversation. I don't know. I could talk forever about this, but Geodes <laughs> came and the connection to wit and wisdom was mind-blowing. Um you know, the, the, what they were reading in geos directly connected to what we were learning in wit and wisdom. It was beautiful. And then the next year, yes, the next year we incorporated foundations. And so now we have the trifecta, like, um, all three programs working together. And it's just, I like to say it creates magic in the classroom. And I'm like, it literally Mm -hmm. makes me just smile and so happy uh, for our students. <laughs> That's so cool. I love that. Can I also add that um, the going back to what you had said about like Dan- Daniela, what you had mentioned that you were using early, you know, before you adopted high quality materials in Baltimore, we, it's, there's, it's such a similar story. We had Mondo kits as well. And I never really fully understood them. And it felt like, I don't, it felt like really difficult to understand and we had like the leveling with guided reading and things like that and then it's interesting because we also at the end came down to el and wit and wisdom and the thing that tipped us i'd love to hear if you know you know what tipped you toward wit and wisdom or you know what tipped the scales to wit and wisdom um but the thing that tipped us was um the the teacher guides in el were very um heavy on teacher material and it felt more user-friendly for to use wit and wisdom as well as like multiple other things but I remember that being a really distinct conversation that stood out um to me that like this was might not be as user-friendly um and anyway I just I wanted to I was curious if you had any insight on that because I think it's you know people listening are always like what, you know, they're, they're curious for the stories behind, like the really specific <laughs> nitty gritty details. So I'm curious if you have any details like that you can share about what tipped it toward Wit and Wisdom. I mean, besides the close reading and the incredible texts and um, the integrated approach, all of those really cool things that we could talk about forever and ever. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, when I reflect on just my experience in the classroom, I just remember Mondo and having conversations with kids about what level am I? And, you know, like, oh, well, my mom said that I can't read this level because this is too hard for me. And it's just as defeating. And so it started with me just really reflecting on, are we really doing the right work, you know, that needs to be done? I've always been passionate about reading and writing and that integration and the craft that comes within both. And so I I did have that opportunity to see it in action. And what I saw is just the engagement, the strategies, the the interaction with kids, you know, the the community that it fosters because we have different experiences and background knowledge. So playing around and kind of piloting with the materials and just jumping into the work, you know, I came back immediately and just immediately started the – the pilot lesson, um, module zero. And 
Of course, the text was Thank You, Mr. Falker by Patricia Polacco, who is one of my favorite authors. And it's just, it reminded me in that moment of how these stories are what our kids see themselves in. You know, they're, you talked about the engaging text, but watching the kids and hearing the kids in the classroom and participating in Socratic sem- seminar, it was just that feeling, the experience of just having kids truly be immersed into learning. And it also, for me as a teacher, felt so great to have everything integrated and not having to have five or six different lesson plans, you know, like really preparing for, oh my gosh, showing up an hour early before plan time in the morning and getting book boxes and, and going through and pulling books for certain levels. It just, um, it's the feeling for me. You know, I think that kind of also defines me as a purpose, as a person. I'm, I'm a feeler. I would agree. I'm a, I'm a feeler. I'm a very. Sure are. Sure are. Um, something going back to EL and I don't have much memory of EL. Um, but is it a K-8 curriculum? See, and I don't remember because I feel like the re- what tipped us is we teach in a K-8. Yeah. Uh, and we yeah. wanted to be aligned K-8. I, and I just I believe can't... they were revising their middle school. At least when we were adopting, they only had K-5 available at the time. Okay. That could no, be different I, like, at this point. Ed reports only rated uh, K-1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Maybe there is a 6, 8, but I can't. I think they like originally had one, but they're they were revising it. Revising it, okay. Melissa, are we getting a cameo from from your cat? Um, always. Sorry, (laughs) (laughs) he's a very needy cat. The cat, yeah. The cat is passionate about literacy too. (laughs) Yes, that's right. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, I think it was important for our building to be vertically aligned, um, Mm -hmm. and. the having the actual text in in students' hands, they each get a copy of the text was huge. Um, so the important. high expectations of wit and wisdom uh, was huge. So we're, I we're actually very, was wondering about that when you guys were talking because you know going from the levels to everyone's reading these complex texts. I'm just you know we get questions a lot about well, what about students who are coming to my third grade class and they're below grade level and now there's this really complex text that everyone's expected to read? Um, Just wondering what your your experience was with that. So my experience in first grade, I would say, is that in Wit and Wisdom, we're not teaching foundational reading skills necessarily in wit and wisdom, right? We're teaching our reading standards, our writing standards, speaking and listening. And those are around books that my students aren't, most of them are not able to read. These are complex texts. They can, they're listening, um, their ability to understand when listening and speaking is greater than what they can read, right? So we mm-hmm. went from a curriculum that had grade level text. It was like, I can't remember one of the books from Lucy Hawkins. It was like Duck in the Park or something. And we are trying oh, to gosh. analyze a book that a first grader <laughs> can read. If you can imagine how much I wanted to pull my hair out of my head <laughs> after three days of reading like a duck you know, <laughs> splashing in the puddle, yeah. it's awful. Um, it, they're not worthy of rereading, right? right? Yeah. And so right. going to um, complex text, students are able to understand and take on this learning through, first, I want to say, 
the content stages, the way that those are made are super supportive. It's layers, right? We're not going in and saying, what is the essential meaning of my librarian (laughs) is a camel on day one. We're leading up to that. Um, And so the program design is supportive, but also um, I'm not asking first graders to read these texts. I'm asking them to think deeply about the texts and Mm -hmm. analyze, synthesize all of that. yeah, so that's that's my experience with the change between a grade level text, trying to get deep into a grade level text in first grade versus uh, a more complex, a more complex text. text. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's such I a think good point. Just adding on to what you said, April, you know, when we think about the reading rope and um, just those those components of it, I'm specifically thinking of a student um, this week, you know, who has found some just immense success. And that word recognition is is really hard right now. It's a, it's a struggle. And we know that there's some other factors that have come into play with just the current state of our world. But I just, I keep going back to the visual of Scarborough's rope and looking at his background knowledge and the vocabulary knowledge, the language, how he articulates himself and what he brings into the conversations. And it was such a powerful moment this week when he got up in front of the class and the class actually started clapping for him just authentically because he had been, he has found this confidence, this confidence within himself. And it, when I say that this curriculum really fosters a community of learners. Uh, that word just popped into my head, Daniel. It I is. Was the same exact, I was thinking the same exact thing because yeah. clapping happens in my class as well. Go ahead. Sorry. It is. No. And I think that's. I think those are the moments, you know, where we know that we're, oh my gosh, like we're doing right by kids because it's, we're not all at our seats reading our own books. We're collaborating and we're fostering, you know, this environment where kids can thrive and be themselves and see themselves in books. And April, you talked a lot about just that content knowledge. I mean, just, we all have so much knowledge. And so just building on that and using that as an access point. Um, has really been just um, a mindset change for me. Yeah. Yeah. When I you often say, think, oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead, <laughs> when you say mindset change, that makes me think about, um, we really did have to unlearn a lot of things that we had worked so hard on uh, for yeah. so long. And so it took a lot of vulnerability from us, um, a lot of flexibility, uh, but I think we're continuing to grow. Um, and when you say content knowledge, the first thing that stuck out to me when one of the first things, as I've already said that, um, when we got wit and wisdom was that we're not just planning for standards now and task-based um, lessons. That's we right. have two pieces that we have to consider. What knowledge are we building in students? I have to plan for the knowledge that mm-hmm. these students have to learn because without that knowledge, they are not going to be successful on the skills that I'm asking them to do um, and the tasks that the standards are asking them to do. So we went from just really standards-based, task-based to now really thinking about the content knowledge and um, both sides of that so that's awesome yeah I I think that's I'm I'm just I just imagine uh what happens you know like in your previous world prior to wit and wisdom and geodes it I imagine that it would just be focusing on that the skills and 
not the knowledge, which when you think about it is that that's leaving like half off. That's, that's a lot to miss. And I think that that's why the four of us are sitting here today, because when Melissa and I were in Baltimore, that when we were looking at the materials, we're like, this is it. This is what has been missing for so long from, from the literacy that we've been trying to, to implement. But then also um, that cohesion piece that you mentioned, uh, April, I think you mentioned that, right? With the the span of K-8, like having that mm-hmm. cohesiveness, having that, seeing like both that uh, horizontal and vertical growth. So, you know, across the year and then up through the grade bands um, and, and just how everything grows over time. Is there anything that, like keeping that in mind, is there anything that, April, you in first grade, and then maybe Danielle, you in third grade are seeing as kids like progress over time. Like I'm wondering if maybe the way that a Socratic seminar is executed, you're, you know, or something that you could elevate like an instructional routine or mm-hmm. um, a writing model that you'd like to share as an example of how that might grow over time. Uh, yeah, so specifically Socratic seminar, that's not something that I had ever considered doing as a first grader before Wit and Wisdom. <laughs> and it's one of the most enjoyable times in our classroom now. Students oh. love it. So we like to use the fishbowl method in first grade, just considering uh, attention span and things mm-hmm. like that. Fishbowl is effective. And so really in Socratic seminar, you get to see the knowledge and skill coming out all at the same time, right? They're they're able to express themselves. And it's a really great um, opportunity for all students of all ability and everything to have a chance to speak and shine and create community in the classroom. Something mm-hmm. that I like to do before Socratic seminar is giving students a chance to think through their thinking around the topic, around the question. I give them a chance to sit down and write, um, specifically pointing their um their direction or pointing them in the direction of our vocabulary wall that we've put up with our wit and wisdom words. And so encouraging them to use that vocabulary in a purposeful way in their writing. And this writing is not, we're not grading writing on sentence structure and grammar. I just want, I want their knowledge on the, on the page. Um, Mm -hmm. And so once they've had a chance to think through that, they've used the vocabulary in a purposeful way, then we bring that to the carpet and we do the fishbowl. Half of the students are in a chair. They love it. We, they actually, you know, the ones in the middle sometimes pretend like they're fish when they go to sit down. Aww. And so the, the ones sitting on the ground are in the fishbowl. And they know that everyone has to speak. Um, they've already had time to process that thinking. And now that they're sitting, everyone has to speak. Um, and the beautiful thing, another thing about wit and wisdom is that it teaches speaking and listening standards. Uh, whereas before we hadn't taught specifically, how do I respond to another person? How do I um, carry on a conversation with somebody else? And so now, you know, someone will speak and they'll say, I agree with you because in this text it said, you know, X, Y, Z, or hmm, I disagree with you. I had a different idea when (laughs) I was thinking about this question. Um, So, Socratic seminar is a beautiful example. It's like a culmination of that uh, focusing question or the focusing question arc with that. Um, as 
I'm sorry. <laughs> I got all these ideas going in my head. So like the culmination <laughs> would be like the focusing question task, the writing, but we also do Socratic seminar at the end of that. And so mm-hmm. they get to speak and listen about to their, um, to their classmates ideas. Um, yeah. Yeah. Exciting. As you were speaking, April, um, I was just jotting some things down too. You know, Socratic seminar has really been kind of the foundation for where kids are also finding success in writing, you know, just seeing themselves as writers. Mm -hmm. And so just having, adding on to what you were saying, I was thinking about how all of these components of wit and wisdom really foster just the independence and the intentionality for us as teachers. You know, it's like, it's just all connected and integrated. So in third grade, I mean, thinking about this year and previous years, our students have struggled with writing and really being able to explain their ideas. And something I've noticed over time is, you know, I will talk with a student, I'll confer with them, and they're able to verbalize it. And so they have that language, they have their ideas and their background knowledge, um, and then the knowledge that they're understanding from text, but then they're struggling with the transfer to write, to putting it on paper. And so I just am always reminding them, you know, what we think, we say. What we say, we write. And I think for us as educators, we just also have to live in that space of it's messy and it's going to take time and we have to be patient. And I finally, right now, this, this school year, I'm getting to that, that spot where I'm seeing all of that hard work really come in and and I'm seeing the kids' growth. You know, so recently we had a focusing question task and Socratic seminar really supported them in that oral rehearsal and being able to practice the vocabulary and use the vocabulary to explain their ideas. And that was a huge aha for me this year is, oh my gosh, vocabulary, we're not teaching this in isolation. You know, yes, I have a vocabulary wall, but it's there for access, you know, to remind kids that these are the the vocabulary that vocabulary that we're using to explain, to justify, to understand these topics, and um, you know, our kids are now starting to attack four paragraph essays. And I, it's amazing. It's yeah. amazing. Third grade writing is amazing. <laughs> and it, and boy, does it, boy, does it evolve throughout the year too. You know, right. like thinking about <laughs> them coming in and struggling with even sentences sometimes. Um, I know I'm just kind of specifically thinking about the current state of our world and where we're at, but yeah. Um, Danielle, quick question. And then I know, you know, we have lots more to talk about, but when you said uh, that example about the vocabulary wall and students really using those words to explain, to justify, can you share if, if maybe there was a word wall or vocabulary wall in the past, how that might be different from what you're doing now in in Wit and Wisdom? Yeah. Well, even when I started Wit and Wisdom, you know, my my current state of practice was really, you know, thinking about the vocabulary words. What are these words that we need to know, be able to read? And I think my practice has really grown a lot in the past two years um, of, of really moving into Wit and Wisdom and understanding the purpose of why we're teaching vocabulary and how we're using it. So a couple years ago, you know, I would have like, oh, you know, here's some here's some sheets with the vocabulary words. 
matching the definition. Okay, you can use it. Oh, you're proficient with this because you understand the meaning of it. And then it just kind of sits there, you know, and, mm-hmm. and now it's, it's really teaching students the purpose of why and how we use this vocabulary. And so in Socratic seminar, you know, they have their planners, they have the word banks, um, and they have the background knowledge and understanding of those words and how to really use that in speaking um, and then bring that into writing. And in our Socratic seminars, too, a lot of our kids are giving feedback to each other. So, you know, my students that are in the inner circle, they're speaking and the kids, they're partnered with students um, who are in the outer outer circle. And those students in the outer circle are giving feedback to them and they're kind of, you know, tapping them gently like, oh, I noticed you did this. So it's this this process of just giving feedback to each other and really evolving as learners as a community. I keep going back to that, but really that's, that's, great. that's kind of what I, <laughs> yeah. I notice. And I imagine that that must be so different from what happened before, you know, in, in terms, I'm just, I just, April, did you want to add to that? Well, yeah. <laughs> Could you tell that I was like, yeah, like please, please let me add. <laughs> me, my hands up. Um, so just thinking about before and a word wall before, so I'm going to say this now. I do not have a word wall in my classroom anymore, and I'm seeing so much success. And this is for maybe like a science of reading time in this podcast through David Kilpatrick's work. Um, so much more success. So word wall is gone. Um, we did not have vocabulary words up in the first grade classroom. And if they were, it eh, it's like we glanced over it maybe with a science, um, with our science or social studies Um mm-hmm lessons but now we have my my where my word wall used to be is divided into the modules for wit and wisdom so all of my module one vocabulary words are on yellow cards with pictures on them and students know how important those words are to use in our discussion and our writing they know that that's what um is really going to get their point across. And so my module two words are up there and then I put module three, we're in module three right now. And I wanted to make the point though, that I am seeing the transferring of these vocabulary words into our geodes time. So often they're using the word powerful and force when we're reading books about these same concepts, they are using those same words when speaking at our small group table. I'm so glad you went there, April, because that was my next question for you. (laughs) So let's actually dig in there a bit. Melissa, before you get in, can I ask April and Danielle one quick thing and then... Yeah. Okay. Can you all send us pictures of your walls and we would love to include them in our (laughs) newsletter? Yeah. So that that our subscribers can see what we're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. So now let's dig in a little bit. I think, you know, teachers just want to hear so much about like, how do you actually take these different pieces, your small group time with geodes, your foundations time, um, your wit and wisdom time. We talked a lot about your wit and wisdom time. Um, Like, how do you put those pieces together so that it doesn't feel like three separate things happening? And Mm -hmm. and, and as specific as you want to get about like what your literacy block actually looks like, Like, because teachers want to hear it. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll start Um, because this is actually another um, something that I've kind of taken on. Um, And again, like when we were first piloting and starting with wit and wisdom, you know, my focus, oh my gosh, like my slides were like 
23, 25 slides. And now it's like I've condensed it and I've, it's just, it all makes sense. You just got to give yourself time because it will, the pieces will come together. They will. But, um, so I just want to talk a little bit about, you know, to your question, Melissa, I, we start with foundations. And so when my kids come back from exploratories this year, they um, they come in, they grab their foundations boards, and we start our day with writing into the day. And I've included writing into the day just to kind of foster the create the creative aspect of writing and the craft of writing and to really just have like low stakes, no pressure, you know, just write. So this week we're just doing would you rather statements because um, it supports our opinion writing. So after writing into the day, we get into our foundations. And I've started our foundations lessons with actually bringing the vocabulary from our modules. And we do reading work. So I'll put the vocabulary words on the slide. And we're really marking the words. We're really attacking those words. And and yesterday, it was really powerful because there was a student that I asked them, I said, okay, well, I noticed, I noticed a couple of us just kind of scooping and there's lots of scoops, but there's only three syllables in this word. So why do we have six scoops or one scoop? And a student raised his hand and he said, Mrs. Hunter, we mark words to learn language. We mark words to, to read them correctly. We want to read these words correctly. And then another student, I like to add on. And, and he's like, um, the other student was like, oh, we're going to write these words too. We're going to use them. So it's like these aha moments keep coming naturally almost. And I'm like, they're they're seeing the purpose of this, you know? So we start with um, integrating that vocabulary in our foundations. And then we get into our literacy lesson. And I have recently started playing with geodes during our win block. Win block is our designated intervention block that every single student in our school has. So it's this, um, our students who are bilingual go to the um, designated ELD block and our students who are in WIN, which stands for what I need, are getting this, are getting extra support. And so I've recently started playing with geodes this week. Very new, very new. Um, as a third grade teacher, we don't have geodes. So I just kind of jumped in. I was like, you know what? It's going to be messy. Just jump in. And it was just one of my favorite days of the entire year. We're reading a book about Brown versus Board of Education. And we're practicing long vowels and vowel teams. And it all came together. Students were making connections. They were um, while we're learning about um, space exploration um, in module two right now, they were still able to make connections to geodes. They were noticing that the Brown versus Board of Education had some connections to how people are pioneers and advocate and make change in the world. And I had a student using the vocabulary that we had talked from foundations and talking about segregation, talking about... Um, you know, astronauts or people that worked for NASA who faced these challenges, and they were bringing this into geodes. So while my experience is a little bit different than April's with geodes, <laughs> and it's not as connected um, as far as content or knowledge, they are, they're making connections, and, it, and I'm starting to see everything really build on top of each other. The students are as well. 
I love hearing that my first graders that were with me get to revisit some geodes. That's awesome. Um, would you like to talk? Would you like me to talk about first grade uh, now? <laughs> yes, please. Yeah. Is that good? Okay. Is that good, Melissa? Okay, perfect. All right. Yeah, my cat's being super loud right now. Sorry, I just muted for a second. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so when I think of the programs that we have going on right now in first grade, um, we've got wit and wisdom. And I also come back to Scarborough's rope, Danielle. That's an easy visual representation for me to think about the science of reading and how we're hitting every single piece of those of that rope in every day in first grade. Um Wit and wisdom is really hitting those that language comprehension, right? And we've got foundations that's hitting the word recognition strands. But the magic happens when we're in geodes. <laughs> it's it's amazing. Geodes is the bridge between wit and wisdom and foundations. So they are learning about an endearing topic in wit and wisdom that is worthy of studying for nine weeks. And they're also reading about that. In April, can you geodes. give some examples of topics that you all do in first grade? Yeah. So right now we are in module three is the power of wind. And at first you think, oh, wind. Okay. Like first what are graders we gonna are going to get excited. <laughs> yeah. What are we, we going to learn about wind? Um, first graders after this module, they can teach you how wind is made. Um, they can teach you how it affects um, different objects on earth. It shapes rocks, it shapes trees, how storms affect communities, uh, hurricanes, wow. tornadoes, blizzards. They can also, also tell how wind is used by humans. We have harnessed the wind to be able to um, irrigate fields to grind grain. Um, they explore The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind. Uh, that's our final book for this module. And um, so it's it's these big topics, right? We're not just learning about wind. We go outside and feel it. We're really learning about <laughs> humans' yeah. interaction with wind over time and what um, how it's it can be devastating and destroy things as well as um, really save communities in areas that need the wind uh, to do a job for cool. a purpose. Yeah. yeah. So helpful, that's, that's helpful and harmful, right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so that's the module that we're in right now. It's, I would say beside we have our Cinderella unit at the end of the year and that the, the journey around the world in that unit is unbelievable. Um, the world knowledge that they gain. So I would say those two modules are my favorite. Um <laughs> But going back to kind of my my block, so we've got the bridge geodes between foundations. So what we're learning in Wit and Wisdom, they're reading about in geodes. And then what we're learning in foundations, they're applying in geodes that same day. Uh, so we have Wit and Wisdom in the beginning of the day. And then we have our foundations block, a 30-minute block. And... Um, when I first started Foundations, I was really teaching it to fidelity. Uh, I wanted to, and this was my, at the beginning of my learning of the science of reading. Um, and so I really just wanted to teach it what it said. But now the more that I learn about the science of reading, Scarborough's Rope, the four-part processor, um, I'm able to change it. I'm able to take aspects and add more and really meet my students' needs um, with more learning that I get. So we're in foundations, and then I, I'll usually end with some kind of a dictation. 
whether it's one sentence or a couple of words or a full dictation where they're doing sounds, words, trick words, and a sentence, um, students go and ha go have snack. And I take that data right then and I split it into my five reading groups that are based on foundations assessments, by the way. And I call over my groups that I see a three, I see three groups a day. <clears throat> and I look at what they did. Sorry. <clears throat> I look at what they did that day in foundations on that dictation. And I address those, need, those needs in group, in the group. Um, and every, every student is reading the same book in my class. And um that that was that was the biggest change. <laughs> what what do those groups look like? Can you get detailed? Um, what what books? How you know? And what are the other students doing as well? That's a question we get asked all the time. <laughs> what about yeah. the other ones? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So I have five <laughs> groups um, based on, like I said, foundations dictation. So based on their phonics knowledge, that's where um, we know that accuracy is our number one priority when teaching students how to read. So I have to base mm -hmm. them on their um, word knowledge. And yep. so I have five students per group. Um, they come and sit down. Uh, I want to see my group one, which has the largest gap to close. Uh, I want to see my group one four days a week. I want to see group two and three. I see them three days a week and groups four and five. I see them two days a week. They have the smallest gap to close. Um, and so I do at least uh, 15 minutes with my groups one and two, 15 to 20 minutes, and the other groups, um, 15 minutes. And so they'll come and sit down. They will start with a decodable reader that directly connects to um, the foundation's work. So foundations provide some decodable readers for each unit. Mm -hmm. They read that. And then we get into that word work with L Conan boxes. So um, they're on my table. I taped them on my table. They have a marker. And I say, oh, it looks like a lot of us in this group missed this sound or missed this. Let's work on that. Mm -hmm. What are we seeing? And so this is really... Um, it's interactive. Maybe I'm using counters in the Elconan boxes first to really hit that phoneme processor. And then we're mapping it to sounds by writing it. Um, and then, so we're hitting that word recognition strand of Scarborough's rope. And then we want to bring in the language comprehension strands. And so I start with vocabulary. Um, I'll put up some vocabulary words and I'll say, what do you know about these words? Um, and then we, and I introduce the text and what, how do you think these words might connect to this text? Um, and I might play a video. That's another fun thing that they like. So like for Super Spiny Mouse, I found a video. There's no talking in it. It's just of a spiny mouse running around in Africa. And it's fun for them to, you know, look and make connections to that. Um, so we're building that background knowledge, vocabulary. Um, and Super Spiny Mouse is a geode for those who don't know. <laughs> oh, yes. Sorry. Yeah. So and, that's okay. And, in geodes, we are only reading either a decodable passage from foundations or the geodes text that directly relates to the foundations unit that we're in. Um, and so then we just, I introduced the text and the, something that's helped me guide my um, comprehension and language comprehension teaching has been going through the content stages like we do in Wit and Wisdom with geodes. So on the mm -hmm. first day of a read, we're noticing and wondering, we're asking questions, we're building knowledge through illustrations. On the second day of the read, we really talk about what is this book about, um, organize our thinking. And then on the third, if they do have a fourth day with me, then we really, what is the essential meaning? We try to get deeper. So that's just been something that's guided me. Um, 
So that's a little bit about what's going on at my table. Like I said, the biggest change is every student's reading the same book. And they can. They can. Even your students that have the smallest gap. And I think because I did not give up on that from the beginning of the year, because I did not lessen, um, did not lessen what I wanted my students to do. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Your, ex your expectation? <laughs> my expect I did not lower my expectations <laughs> yeah. for that group. My All five of my groups can fluently read every geodes tech that I, text that I put in front of them. And when you say all students, April, are reading the same text, you don't just mean within your groups, correct? You mean every student in your classroom is yes. reading the like same. Okay, is. I just want to make sure. Yep. So every yes. group is reading. So all 25 students are, are reading, reading the same that book. same geodes, but yet they're their um, foundational skills needs are being addressed ahead of time so that they can then jump into the text and access it with more success. Am I hearing you right? Yes, absolutely. So every group has something different that they're working on. So I like to think of it as accuracy is my number one priority. And I'm working on word work and things like that. And I'm also using the decodable readers protocol through student achievement partners. Um, you can find that on achievethecore.org to guide my reading with um, accuracy, echo, choral, buddy, independent reading. Mm -hmm. And then after accuracy, we're moving to phrasing phrasing moves to expression and that's really creating that fluency into comprehension. So that's kind of that's what guides my what is this group working on. Um, before I talk about what my kids are doing independently, I just want to point out that we went from a structure where levels were guiding what we were doing in our groups. Level E should be working on this, level J should be working on this to my students are guiding what I'm doing in my group. I'm watching them closely and which that that's what should be happening, right? I'm watching yes. them closely and we're addressing those needs in, in the group. Real quick, sorry, I've been talking for a while, but I'll, <laughs> so independently outside of my group, um, when they're not working with me, we want to make sure that they're also having purposeful learning outside. And so I don't know if you guys have heard about the platform Seesaw. Um, mm -hmm. it's, uh, really came yeah. into light during yeah, remote learning. Yep. And mm -hmm. so they all have three seesaw assignments that they have to complete. One is a foundations sentence dictation. One is they are reading the book. They're going to record themselves reading. So let's say we're reading Thorny Devil in group. They're going to record themselves reading. It's like a check-in for me. Um, They'll record that independently. And then they also have a comprehension question on Seesaw that they have to answer about Thorny Devil, which is a geodes text. Um, and then the they also have to read at least one geodes book outside of my group. They get to choose whatever piques their interest. It could be past books. I even, I sit out future books. I'm not limiting them to anything. I want them to choose the text that they want. And then also... Um, they have a foundations assignment, um, usually a paper uh, foundations assignment that includes marking or something like that. So, April, just really quick, this is Danielle. Um, <laughs> I was just thinking too, like <laughs> the lis the listeners. I don't know, can they differentiate our voices? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I just as I, I was, probably can. <laughs> <laughs> as I was listening to April, like it's so nice to hear you kind of go through what what a day in the life of a first grader looks like and sounds like. 
Um, and I told you I just kind of jumped in with geodes. And prior to geodes, I was I'm pulling from like Readworks. I'm pulling from lots of different books that I have, going up to the library and kind of finding text sets and really connecting it. You know, so if they're reading about the Brown versus Board of Education, um, maybe they're reading another article about Thurgood Marshall or um, you know other topics that are connected. But it's nice to hear you really talk about those components and what that looks like because our our third graders are also um, used to that. So when they're coming to third grade, you know, they're making those connections. So yesterday when I jumped in, I told them, I said, you guys are kind of like my experimenting group right now. Let's see, you know, I let's jump into this text. And it's nice for me as a teacher to also reflect and kind of think, okay, um, I did, oh, okay, we did that yesterday too. We did that, we did that. Oh, we did this a little bit differently, but it just reminds us that um, we're vertically aligned and mm-hmm. and um, just supporting our students throughout their entire education here at yeah. school. Yeah. I was thinking something similar, Danielle. It must make so much more sense for students to like in your classrooms on a daily basis, feeling like these things connect and they make sense together. You know, I learn what something over here and it connects to the next thing. And then, and then like you're saying from year to year, <laughs> seeing that connection right. too, just might, I can imagine as a student feeling like much more confident than every teacher teaches something different and I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I feel like I want to say now that I want to have you both back on again. We have to do this again because we could just <laughs> oh, I keep talking. I have so like, many I feel like things we didn't get to... that I, I could talk <laughs> about. We I'm like looking... to talk. <laughs> I'm looking at the we notes like and like, we you. didn't get to half of what we prepared for with you all. So. <laughs> well, and I think, I think that also just shows, you know, I appreciate listening to all your episodes too, because it's just so mm-hmm. nice to talk with people that are passionate, passionate about this work and it, it just feels good. You know, it feels good to know that um, we're learning, we're learning and continuing yeah, to be together. learners. Yeah. 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 Okay. I will, I will do a little teaser for what we might be able to talk about next time is debunking, <laughs> debunking uh, the learning to read, reading to learn, because yes. what you both shared is that that's not a thing. And we know yes. from our episode with the fantastic Nell Duke that she also agrees that it's it's not a thing and lots right. of other researchers do too but you all showed in practice that right. it's it's not a thing you know we don't in K2 learn to read and then in 3 and above read to learn it's mm-hmm. it's both and it's, all the time yeah, from I, I mean I even yep. think from pre from from birth you know all the way through it's not like you know even when Presley was a baby, I was reading her books that she couldn't read on her own. <laughs> so she was not learning think to about read. it. Yeah, those are the first strands that develop in humans is knowledge. Yeah, yeah. And so mm-hmm. why would we cut it off and stop with that? You know, yeah, every yeah, kid yeah. brings so much to the table. So And they're so curious yeah. about those things. So Absolutely. curious. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, we could have a whole podcast just about that. We're going to. We're going to. <laughs> We're invited back again. Yes. Oh, okay. Thank you. You guys well, are awesome. Before we leave, um, I know I know there were some things we didn't get to. So if there was anything that you really want to hit, feel free to to jump in. But we definitely want you all to leave us with um, a piece of advice for our listeners. Well, I took a peek at the notes, and I thought it was funny that Danielle and I both 
had kind of the same advice without discussing it. Um, I saw what you typed in there, Danielle, and I was like, hey, did you say that? Did you see my my essay? Does that surprise you? I read it. Um, it. And it was it was great. But I guess um, the thing I want to leave with is that we are educators and we have to continue to learn. Like Mm -hmm. I said before, we had to unlearn a lot and be vulnerable and flexible. Um, And because we were able to do that, it's really changed my life. Um, It lit a fire inside of me to explore the research to get my master's. When all this started, I was like, master's in literacy, it has to happen now. Um, And just the continuing need for more knowledge about this, just to continue to learn as educators, because we know that when we do that, um, it benefits our students. I, so my advice is similar to, you know, when I kind of started reflecting uh, there's so much to learn. There's so much, you know, I know we have so much in our minds, but we've been digging into um, neuroteach and just really how the brain works. And we're bringing this to our students as well. So in their RSEL lessons, they're learning about how their brains work. And I think that's been so powerful. So my advice is just, I think of this um, chapter 12 in this book and Glenn Whitman says, you know, teachers are researchers. And it says that students spend more than 1,000 years learning to to get better at their core knowledge and skills. And it's rare that a teacher will get above 30 hours a year. And at first, that kind of like hooked me. I was like, I feel like I'm learning like so much. And I, we do, we're learning these skills. We're learning um, so much to improve our practice. But it also makes me reflect on just how we're building our own knowledge and supporting our own passions and really being learners in front of students. So, you know, speaking my own truth, I feel like I'm learning something new to improve my practice every day. And I, my advice is to be a researcher of your students, for your students, with your students, and um, just evolve together because our world is changing every day. And so we need to also have that mindset to change along with it. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of uh, Adam Grant's book, uh, Think Again, which I was grabbing, but it's on my nightstand upstairs. That's, he, that's his, that's like the premise, right? Like be a scientist and unlearn the things that be open to unlearning and open to new learning. So I, uh, I love that. It's so resonating with what's going on in my yeah. own reading world right now and, and what's yeah. happening, I think, in the real world very much. Danielle, tell us the title of that book again. It's Neuroteach, Brain Science and the Future of Education by Glenn Whitman and Ian. How do you say his last name? Is it Kelle- Kelleher? Let me tap it out. Hang on. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a blue It's a blue cover? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. It's going in my Amazon cart. I wonder if um, if we reach out, if we can get like a promo code or something. I'll, yeah. I'll, we'll work on that before this episode comes <laughs> out. We'll see if we can get something for listeners. Yeah. We actually, we just had Glenn um, do some PD with us a couple oh, weeks ago. School. Yeah. That's yeah. so neat. Okay. Can you share his email with us too? Yes. Yeah. Do you absolutely. Know, do you know? Okay. Okay. I'm like, can you send us pictures and share people's contact information? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I'm not going to say no while we're recording. Of course not. <laughs> you can have whatever you guys want. Okay. 
<laughs> Thank you all so well, much for all yeah. that you do every day. Good luck with the rest of your days. We know that was- you both have big days. Like it's been a big week this week. So good luck yeah. with everything else that's happening today. <laughs> yeah. Thank you guys for having us. you all. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa. Oh, Thank you, Lori. We appreciate Thank you. you. You too. All right. We'll talk soon. You're coming back. Okay. All right. (laughs) Bye, guys. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. You You too. Thank you for listening, Literacy Lovers. Remember, we have a new episode out every Friday, and we send a super helpful newsletter with follow-up content each Tuesday. Be sure to visit our website to subscribe to our newsletter and podcast. It's literacypodcast.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Literacy Podcast. And please reach out with questions or ideas for podcast episodes. We love hearing from you. Melissa, what's our email address? Melissa and Lori at literacypodcast.com. We are so glad you're here to learn with us.